You know, I was um, kind of in a funny way because this is, uh, this is one of those messages that's a little heavy. So I wanted to kind of just um, have a little, bit of a little bit of fun up front to kind of get us ready for talking about a real deep subject. And I was, I was thinking about, you know, heartache just a couple of weeks ago. Who all was happy about Shark Week starting? Anybody? Yeah. You know, I was all hyped, ready to see Michael Phelps, the most decorated Olympic, Olympian ever in the world, swim against a 20-foot or let's make it a 30-foot great white uh, right off Seal Island in the, in the seas of uh, uh, South Africa. And I was all ready. I mean, uh, Patty and I, I mean, Patty fixed a bunch of snacks. We put them on the table, and uh, we had waters. You know, going to be healthy. Had waters out there, and, and we're sitting there watching, and, and we're just getting ready to wait, wait, wait. And then I got bummed out. Did you get bummed out? The biggest disappointment. He swam against a digital representation of a shark, and he lost. I mean, what a, what a bummer that was, a big heartbreak. But you know, sometimes, sometimes our heartbreaks aren't quite as funny, are they? Sometimes our heartbreaks are, are pretty devastating. And I submit to you today that um, some of us in the room are going through heartbreaks almost daily. And it uh, makes you wonder about what's behind heartbreaks, or more importantly, you know, why, why heartbreaks happen. I mean, heartbreaks come in all, all shapes and sizes, don't they? They come in job loss. Heartbreaks come in, in relational losses. They come in uh, deaths. They come in um, all, sorts of, all sorts of ways. You know, I, I had a friend who, who wanted to buy a puppy, and uh, she had seen a puppy in a, um, uh, one of those puppy stores and went home to tell her husband about it. And by the time they got back, there was someone that someone had already bought the puppy. I mean, heartbreak. So it comes in all shapes and sizes. And the whole point about it is, is none of us are exempt from that. I mean, we want to think that we can be. We want to think that it's not something that we can, or something that we can avoid, but in reality that we really can't. You see, what I've come to learn in my uh, 39 years of life <clears throat> is that, <laughs> well, not a good liar. There you go, Carlton. Carlton says that you're not a good liar. Okay, there you go. What I've learned, though, in my life is that uh, life comes in seasons, doesn't it? And, uh, and as we go through seasons, in Florida, we really don't get to go through seasons. Well, we go through hurricane season, but, but not the four seasons. And some of you who, who lived in different parts of the country, you, I think you're going to resonate with this. You know, we find ourselves in the summer. We find ourselves in full bloom. Things are exciting. Things are happening. Then we move into the fall where all of a sudden things about our life begin to fall off a little bit like the leaves. And, and we become a little bit uh, withered with, with what's going on. And, and, and we start turning brown and those kinds of things. Then we get into the winter and we feel like we're going through crisis or we're going through times in our lives that we just can't understand or, or we can't see any way out of that. But you know what comes after that is spring. And spring, I think, is one of God's greatest gifts to us. It's a, it's a time not only that we celebrate the season of Easter, but it's also, it reminds us of the newness of life, the regeneration of life, that no matter how bad and how difficult things can be or the heartbreaks that we go through, that God is always bringing spring into our life. And spring means newness. It means recreation. The writer of Ecclesiastes wrote these words. They said, for everything there's a season, there's a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. You know, have you ever thought about life being like a dance? And what that means to live life in a dance. One of my favorite writers uh, he's gone on to life eternal now. His name is Henry Nouwen. And uh, Henry Nouwen is a great spiritualist, a Catholic priest. 
And um, uh, he's one of those guys I always gravitate to when I'm in these kinds of subjects in my own life or, or in teaching moments. And, and listen to what he has to say here. He says, one of life's greatest questions centers not on what happens to us. Did you catch that? The question isn't what happens to us, but rather how we will live in and how we will live through whatever happens. So how are you living into it? How are you living through it? And, and, and our choice then often revolves around not what has happened or what will happen to us, but how we will relate to life's turns and circumstances. So it's not what's happening, but how we're going to relate to it, how we're gonna navigate through it, how we're going to deal with it, what we're going to go through, and how will we see that. Put another way, will I relate to my life resentfully or will I see it gratefully? I mean, these are, these are huge words. You know, for a lot of us, uh, we see heartbreaks as non-negotiables. There are things in our life that we just, can't, uh, we just can't stay away from. There are certain things that happen to our bodies that we didn't ask for, certain things that we didn't do something to cause that to us. There are relationships that we put everything of hope into. They, they don't last. There's so many things, so we are not exempt from heartbreaks. And now one says it's not what's happening, but how we navigate through it. And I think that's a huge part today that, that we need to remember some very simple words. Lindsay sang them in a song, thy will be done. And, and I'll say also, I'll expand on it, that, that God is with us always. I mean, Moses is dying and, and Joshua is this young leader that's being trained up. And God says to Joshua, be encouraged, you know, be, be encouraged and strength and know that I am with you. And when, when um, we see a pregnancy, when Naomi gets pregnant, uh, the women who are around her say, blessed are you, Naomi, because God will never leave you now. And Jesus assured the disciples when they were together and he was beginning that route to depart to heaven. And he's there on the mountainside ready for the ascension. He says to them, remember I am with you, what? Always until the end of time. So we have to take these assurances. We have, to, we have to not just hear them. We have to not just buy into them. We must embrace them, that God suffers with us. And because God suffers with us, we don't suffer alone. I know about me. I don't know about all of you. But I know sometimes I find it hard to live into those words, that God is suffering with me. And it's such a, a pronouncement of, of what it means. You know, the psalmist writes, God, you have turned my mourning into dancing. I can have life again that despite the heartbreak of what life is bringing, I can find reason to laugh. I can see a reason to smile again. And I know that you are here. When God came into the flesh as Jesus, he immediately revealed to us a story. And that story is that, that, that God is not some ethereal being way up in heaven that's just throwing you know, um, uh, you know, lightning bolts our way and, and causing uh, problems in our life, but that, but that God is there, God is real, and that he is in the flesh and he dwelt among us. That's the prolific love of God that he chooses to be with us. But the questions that we have to ask ourselves, the very hard questions that we must ask when we're going through heartaches, they go something like this. How can we sharpen our awareness that God is abiding in our life in the midst of my heartbreak? How can I prove to myself that God is here? How can I cultivate a trust in God and reliance upon God's promises? Because all throughout the Bible, there's promises made by God in my time of mourning. How can I abide in that? And how can I live into that? And what helps me rely on other people? How can I rely on others? Especially those whom I share faith with.
the people that are on life's journey with me, how can I share that with them? The answer is found in what I call faith practices. And faith practices is very simple. It's the things that we use as the anchors or the foundation of who we are and that we abide in these. And some of these you're gonna go like, really, Pastor, how'd you come up with that? I don't believe that. And some others you're gonna go like, ah, he's right. He nailed it, finally. He said something I can take away from this church and actually use. But we see these things come and these these faith promises, they help us to abide in a deeper connection with God. They promote a a, a regular encounter. It reminds us why we're Christians. It reminds us about the faith that we confess. As we engage in these faith practices, they draw us not only closer in our own story, but it draws us into the story of Christ. And that we see ourselves in the biblical narrative. That it's not just some story written long ago about some really great people, but that we live in those pages and that it's about us. So here's a couple of faith practices. Here's the one you're gonna go like, really? But listen to me, church membership. Listen to me. Being a part of a body of Christ is important. Why? Because when you, when you become a part of a church, when you become part of a, of a body of Christ, there's expectations. And those expectations are, are how you will live into your life and how we can help live into your life and how, how you can help us and we can help you and we live this life together. Church membership means that, that you have people that you can rely on. People who have a, a common aspect of life with you. People who have been in the journey. And we see so often again the significance of where this comes. Heartbreaks usually come at a point where, where when it hits us hard, it makes us feel isolated. It, it almost helps us to feel cut off. It makes us feel like you know, nobody's around us, that we're all alone. And sometimes in our heartbreak, we think that God doesn't hear us or that we're disconnected from God or that we don't know how to approach that. It causes us to, to wonder if we'll ever have peace again. That's what heartache does. And when our hearts are broken, It plays games. But belonging to a church family, reminding ourselves that we are part of a community is so important. And it helps us to engage these practices of faith. It helps us to walk alongside of one another and to know that we all share this story of life together. Worship and reading scripture is another faith practice. It's important to come to worship. It's important that you find a church. It's important that you don't just sit at home. It's important that you engage, why? Because the Bible is very clear, we were not created to do faith journey alone. We were not created for it to be some private experience that we have with God. And as a pastor, I hear all the reasons. I hear, you know, I'm a spiritual person and I don't need anything else because it's me and Jesus kind of thing. Or I don't buy into organized religion, so I'm not coming near a church. Or, you know, or I can, you know, fellowship and worship God out on the golf course on Saturday morning. And that's all I need to do because that's where me and God, we hang out real close. And listen, I'm not riding you on that. But what I'm saying is worship is important. So often we get caught up with the dynamics of the things we do up here to try to represent worship. We're human beings. So we might not always sing the right songs or the songs that make sense to you. I may never say all the right words or Pastor Pam or we may not have the right prayers. But being in worship is important because we're here for God. We're here because we love God, we adore God, and we see God as the connection. We see God as the one who is the life transformer himself. One of the saddest statistics that I see in the life of the church, capital C today, in Christianity, and pastors all over our world, 
uh, we, we try to figure this out and we're just not there yet. But what we're learning is that on any given month, 1.2 is the amount of times people attend their local church. 1.2 weeks a month. And, and what, it, what it says to us is, is, you know, how are we abiding into a life of worship? Maybe that's why we feel alone a lot, because we're disconnected. We feel disenfranchised. So when we come together and we worship God, we see not only a sense of who we are, but we see of whose we are, and we're reminded of that. Here's the third one. Faith practice is that I need to serve someone else. When our hearts are broken, who are we focusing on? Ourselves. That's the normal thing, that's kind of how we're wired. And it's okay to do that, there's a, there's a time for grieving, there's a time to, to be sorting through all that, but if you're doing life alone, if you're like away and you're not connected anywhere, then, then you're really getting to some very dangerous ground. But one way that we can cure our heartbreak is to begin to serve someone else. It takes the focus off of our heartache or our heartbreak and we begin to pour into the life of someone else. And here's what we discover is that there's other people besides us that are going through some stuff in life. And one of the greatest threats that a heartbreak brings is as it says to us, you're the only one dealing with this. You must be really bad. But serving others allows us to see what it means to pour into someone else's life. It allows us to be reminded of the story in John 13 when, when Jesus is preparing for that walk into Jerusalem, ultimately to the cross to be crucified, to, to bear our sins, where he takes the towel and wraps it around himself and he begins to be a servant to others. Yeah, he still has to walk that very difficult walk, but he ends up serving first. So God is, is enjoining us and he is taking us and moving us into a powerful way in the ways of which our faith brings us together. Paul writes this in Galatians. He says, bear one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. But there's a danger in doing this, especially with this heartbreak and where it leads us. If we're not careful, our minds will tell us that we can never be at peace. Our minds will convince us that we'll never see the good side of life again. Our, our minds will convince us or our circumstances or the, the persons around us and they'll say you can never get there. But with God, all things are possible. And that's the faith that we hope onto, amen? And that's the part that brings us into the greatest understanding. Because when we start facing the slop bucket and our minds go down there and we don't allow ourselves to get out and we choose to stay in the slop bucket, then our lives are gonna be sloppy. But God says, raise yourself out of the pit. Trust in him. Lean on him. Expect something from him. And he raises you out of the slimy pit and you see a new creation of life. Psalm 34 reminds us of some very powerful words. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. Righteous is, is someone who, who, who loves God. 
The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. So when you cry out to God, God hears you, the word says. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. God saves your spirit from being crushed. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them, delivers her from all of them, and he protects all their bones, and not one of them will be broken. I want you to do something with me this morning. I want us to be in the story. So we're going to reread Psalm 34. We're going to read it together. It's going to be back up on the screen. And instead of it being in a, in a way that it doesn't personalize it, we're going to read it more into a, a first person. And I want you to read it with me. So where it says there or they, it's going to be me or my. Are you following me? So let's read this together. Ready? The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to my cry. I cry out and the Lord hears me. He delivers me from all of my troubles. The Lord is close to me, the brokenhearted, and saves me when I'm crushed in spirit. I may have troubles, but the Lord delivers me from them all. He protects all my bones, and not one of them, not one of them will be broken. How do we know this to be true? Jesus was betrayed by one of his best friends. He was denied by another one of his best friends. He was abandoned by all of his friends. He felt the brunt of going to the cross, and he went anyway. He endured the scourging. He endured the personal pain that came from all of the wounds that he received on the cross. Folks, God knows our pain. God knows our brokenheartedness. And he says, I am with you always. He says, grow through your broken heart. 